0: your Bibles to Psalm 125. Psalm 125. We already read our PowerPoint verse for the month. And as we come to our final visit for 2021 of the wonderful word God gave us, can you believe he gave us the word rest in a time of great unrest? It's exactly what we needed. Amen? Amen. And we come upon another reminder this morning of the absolute and undeniable proof that God is sovereign. And that he is orchestrating events from the big and the small and everything in between, including guiding and directing us to this particular passage at this particular point in time. Now, I know I say that a lot because there's never a time when it's not true. God is sovereign. He providentially directs our steps. He directs the steps of the righteous according to Scripture, which would include directing us through the Scriptures and to the Scriptures, that are appropriate for the moment in time. Now, if you were with us some years ago, we studied the Psalms. We went through uh, most of them. Some of them are repetitive. Some of them are exact duplicates of one another. But the reality is we took a journey through the 150 chapters of the Psalms. And as we studied them, we found there's various types of songs. There's Hallel Psalms which uh, the the Hebrew word for praise. We found that there are wisdom psalms. There are psalms of trust. There are psalms of Zion, exalting uh, the Zion, the city of Jerusalem, and the God of the city of Jerusalem. There are royal psalms, exalting the name of the Lord again. And David even wrote some imprecatory psalms, which were petitions or prayers for victory over Israel's enemies. Now, our psalm today is one in a rather unique category. It's one of 15 that are called Psalms of Ascent, or you will find Songs of Ascent. And they definitely be, uh, would be sung, as you'll see in the heading of your Bible. Now, the Hebrew word translated as ascent uh, means going up. And the background for this is important because for the songs or Psalms of Ascent, The history would be the Jews would make a sojourn or pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Pentecost every single year. All males, 15 years and older, were required to make this pilgrimage to at least two of these feast days. Now, they were held in Jerusalem, and the reason that they're called uh, these Psalms of ascent that Hebrew word means going up, is because they were always going up to Jerusalem. And it didn't matter what direction you came from. You know, we always talk about up north and down. It doesn't matter where you started. If you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up. Because it is the elevated city of God. And they were always going up to Jerusalem for these feast days. And during their pilgrimage, they would encounter hardships along the way. The road at times, especially the closer they got to Jerusalem, would become narrower and narrower and steeper and steeper. And as the pilgrims got closer and closer to Jerusalem, the path would not only grow narrower and steeper, but the possibility of encountering thieves and robbers would increase exponentially because the geography of the area was favorable for an ambush and a clean escape. It was the final phase of the journey that would be the hardest. It was the final phase of the journey that would be the most perilous. It was also the part of the journey where God's people would stick the closest to one another because of the threats that were on the outside. Now, Psalm 125 was to be read during this most stressful part of the journey. Anybody see why I mentioned the sovereignty of God in our arrival here? today where our word is rest. Now, let me remind you of some of the things, including the theme verse for 2021, where Jesus gave this invitation in Matthew 11:28, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. rest. David wrote in Psalm 37:7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. And boy, did we need to hear that this year. Psalm sixteen nine, David again would write, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Now listen to this. He says, my flesh also will rest in hope. So this rest is not simply a spiritual or ethereal thing. It actually has an impact on our flesh, our emotions and our mind. And in Exodus 33, 14, Moses would say, Uh, Quoting the Lord, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And we needed to remember time and again throughout 2021, God was with us. Well, he still is today. Amen. Just think about how much we needed to hear these things over this very trying year that we are now coming to an end of. Jesus said, come to him and he will give us rest. The Bible then told us to wait patiently and not fret and to have a glad heart which allows for our flesh to rest in hope because his presence is with us even in this very bizarre year and we can yet today rest in those truths. Now, as it relates to the psalm of ascents in Psalm 125 in particular, I think we need to remember that we are sojourners and pilgrims. We are headed to a city whose builder and maker is God. We are told that the path of life is narrow the path to everlasting life is narrow it's not the broad path I think we all would say amen to and give testimony of that the path we're on is often steep and sometimes it's treacherous and we too must constantly be on guard against the thief who only comes to steal kill and destroy now if you add to that that later Jews Uh, which is true for them and us today, as they were making their pilgrimage, as they were living as pilgrims and sojourners on the earth, there was a pagan government that was seeking to dictate to and control the chosen people of God. I'd say we got a pretty relevant chapter for us in front of us today. Now, like the pilgrims arriving at the steep inclines and cliffs surrounding Jerusalem, The closer we get to the end of the church age, the more difficult the journey home is becoming. And Jesus said it would be that. As a matter of fact, he said, you know what? When it's time for me to come, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? The thoughts and intents of man's heart was only evil continually. What was it like in the days of Noah? The earth was filled with violence. And Paul said, you know what? In the last days, perilous times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves and haters of God even in the church in the last days sound doctrine would not be endured false teachers would be applauded and welcomed by itching-eared hearers and here we are at this steep and difficult place in history but you know what that means we're almost home now this anonymous psalm, sixth in the fifteen of the songs of ascent is going to remind the pilgrims of the same truth as they make their way to the beloved city and the psalm will use the mountains of Jerusalem to make its point. Now, the character of the psalm is a psalm of trust, which is necessary for having rest. The context of the psalm is the journey to Jerusalem. So the application of this psalm is simply trust God while traveling to Jerusalem. And that's what we ought to do. Amen? Amen. Now, our title as we close out this year is one I considered a couple other times uh, in the beginning of the year. But now I know why we held off until uh, now. And, you know, like I've told you before, you know, these uh, PowerPoint verses for each month, I got them last November. So I didn't remember what everything was. And then when it came time to start thinking about December's PowerPoint, I read Psalm 125 and thought, wow, are you kidding me? This is our chapter, our verse for uh, the last of the year. And listen, since it is the last of the year, we're going to put the word rest to rest. Our title has to be rest in peace. Rest in peace. Now, note the comma. Now, I put the comma in there because, you know, there's an association with death. And uh, we want to talk about life today, right? Now, remember, rest means to cease from labor. It can also mean, in modern terms, stay put. And we'll find that uh, to be specific to our time together this morning a little bit later. Now, the context of our topic and the mention of peace in this context is the absence of inner turmoil. So we can stay put without inner turmoil because the Lord's coming to get us soon. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we'll talk more about the origin of this acronym, the RIP the rest in peace phrase that we see during our last point, which will be the most important thing we've heard all year about the word rest. So stand and read with me, please, all of the Psalm of Ascent, verse, uh, chapter 125 of the Psalms. I almost said 119, but we don't have that much time. <laughs> now, Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity this morning. We thank you for the timing of it and the reminders we'll find uh, from our time this morning that we can indeed rest in you and therefore be at peace and even have a peace that guards the heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Uh, Lord, accomplish that in us today, we pray, and give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, remembering that rest means to cease from laboring. It can also mean staying put. And these are things that need to stay put in our thinking as we move forward throughout the balance of this year. And I think uh, 2022 is already shaping up to be another beauty. (laughs) Now, verses one and two will allow us to arrive at our first conclusion. And it identifies that this Psalm of ascent is a Psalm of trust as those who trust in the Lord are introduced as the subject of the chapter. Now the conclusion that is drawn concerning those who trust in the Lord is that they're like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides for how long? Forever. Forever. Now the holy city being surrounded by mountains is used to illustrate what we have through trusting in the Lord. Now let me remind you of some of the benefits of trusting in the Lord that will allow us to rest in peace when there is a lack of peace in the world, Psalm thirty-two, ten, David said, "Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him." David said in Psalm thirty-four, eight, "O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good; blessed is the man who trusts in Him." Then the Proverbs tell us in sixteen, twenty, "He who heeds the word wisely will find good, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he." Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-five, and twenty-six says. He who has a proud heart stirs up strife. But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a what? Fool. Whoever walks wisely will be delivered. And then finally Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-five: The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Listen, surrounded like the mountains surrounding the beloved city, with mercy, blessedness, happiness, prosperity, and safety. Sounds like a pretty good thing to me. And it is something that we all enjoy. Why would we want to live without any of those things? And remember, rest meaning to abide or stay or to stay put, as we mentioned, and therefore we can stay blessed. We can stay in God's mercies because they're new every morning. We can stay happy even. We can stay prosperous because we are safe in him. Aren't you glad he's our rear guard? And he's got us by the front sides and everything else as well. So how do we rest in peace at a time when unrest, emotional instability, and unhappiness are rampant all around us? Well, here's the first thing for us to remember and the key to trusting and thus resting in peace. And it's just this. You already know it, but we need to say it. Listen, No spiritual or worldly powers are greater than our God. No spiritual or worldly powers are greater than our God. What can Satan do to us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Powers, principalities, rulers of uh, darkness and heavenly places, all those other things are no match for our God. And because of this truth alone, we can rest in peace. Listen, we can live like we are Jerusalem. Like we are surrounded by God himself who cannot be moved. And therefore, we can rest in God's mercy. We can rest in his blessedness. We can rest in happiness. We can rest in prosperity. And we can rest in safety. Well, wait a minute. Aren't Christians being persecuted all over the world? Isn't the church being insulted and disparaged in the eyes of the world? Yes, they are. But remember what Paul said last week in Philippians 1, 21 to 24. For to me, conscious choice, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Remember, Paul saw this as kind of a win-win situation, no matter the verdict from Caesar Nero. Yet what I shall choose I can't tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Anybody else got that desire? I'm not talking about the individual plan. I'm talking about the group plan. Anybody else want to depart and be with Christ? Amen. Why? Because it's way better is what Paul says. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul later went on to reveal that he actually thought that uh, he would be found innocent and would go back and visit the Philippians again. Uh, which didn't happen. Paul was beheaded by Caesar, according to the historian uh, Eusebius that we talked about uh, last week. So what did Paul wind up with? The far better. He wound up with the far better. Now, we've been talking about becoming overcomers, and last week we reminded that we reminded ourselves that becoming overcomers is a choice. And the choice is ours. And In making that choice, we need to recognize that there are no spiritual or worldly powers greater than our God, so we can choose to rest in peace no matter what's going on in the world. And this world is a mess. It's getting uglier and more stupider by the day. I don't know if that's an actual word, but it is today. It's just getting ridiculous out there, isn't it? It's insane the things that are being pushed and promoted. So we lose our peace because those things are happening, right? No, not at all. We can rest in peace right now. Now, our salvation is secure. Our place is reserved in heaven according to uh, Ephesians 1.13. Now, the truth is no one can change or alter that, even though Satan may try. You know, he's like the pilgrims or when the pilgrims are headed uh, and getting closer to Jerusalem. You know he hides in the rocks and jumps out, and unexpected things come our way. He throws tribulations at us, doesn't he? Yes. He causes pains and traumas and all these other things. Uh, and you know what? He hadn't got away with a thing because his eternal destiny is already revealed in Scripture. He's headed for the lake of fire with the beast and the false prophet and everybody else who has rejected Christ. Uh, that's their eternal destiny. And you know, I've shared with you about you know my struggles with my past and feeling bad about it and just hating it and wishing it was different and all those other things. And I was thinking about a t-shirt the other day that used to float around back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and it said the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Amen? Amen? Uh, My past is dead. It has been separated from me as far as the East is from the West. And the same is true for you. Listen, even though Satan can jump out and throw some surprises at us, he cannot prevail because we are the church of God and he surrounds us like the mountains surround Jerusalem. And this is all because of Christ. And because of Christ, we cannot be moved. And this is the reason right now we can have rest. We can stay put in peace until the Lord comes to take us home. Now, let's look in detail at our PowerPoint verse for the month. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands in iniquity, or to iniquity rather. Now, this is interesting. A scepter is a symbol of rulership. It's symbolic of authority. And there are wicked rulers and authorities in the world all the time, but it seems to be the norm today and increasing like everything else. And the Holy Spirit gives us a reminder through the psalmist that there are prophetic implications that we need to keep in mind along with the personal application we'll talk about in a moment. He says that the scepter of wickedness shall not rest in the land allotted to the righteous. Rest again uh, in this context not only means to dwell or stay, but it can also mean to become permanent. Evil is not a permanent thing we're going to deal with. Now... The prophetic implication is this, and this is long. This is eight verses, but I just couldn't find a place to cut it off. Uh, it's just too good. we got to read the whole thing. You ready? Yes. Revelation 21, 1 to 8. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no more sea than I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He said, this is like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers and all liars, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I thought I heard a laugh when I, uh, yeah, I did hear a laugh. In our house growing up, whenever we were suspicious that the story just told may not have been completely accurate, I would say to the kids, 21-8, That's why we got to laugh out of the front row when I mention these verses. Now, (laughs) Revelation tells us of a future promised land that is allotted to the righteous. And guess what? No wickedness is allowed there. None of the things that cause pain are allowed there. It's where we're going to rest forever untouched by the things that cause pain and sorrow in this life. Yet we need to remember it is in our text that the earthly Jerusalem is in view. And the context is not about the distant future, even though it is implied. But the subject is life in the here and now. And it's kind of a how to rest in peace in this life. And this is just a bit of a tool, if you will. And I encourage you to keep this in your mind as things continue to get more and more bizarre in these last days. Listen, here's a tip for us all. Don't treat the temporary like it's eternal. Don't treat the temporary like it's eternal. This is kind of a why and a how to rest in peace combined. The scepter of the wicked is temporary. That's the why. The how is to not act like things are never going to get better or things are never going to change. The Lord says to the pilgrims heading towards Jerusalem and to you and I heading towards the Father's house and later the new Jerusalem, that evil has its limitations. And why has God limited it? He has limited it lest the righteous are stumbled by it or even fall into it. Now, immorality and idolatry are clearly being implied here as reaching out the hand to iniquity implies participation or getting caught up in sin. We don't want to get caught up in sin. Amen? Amen. Now, while we recognize that a day is coming where the scepter of wickedness will have no presence in the land allotted to the righteous, we see that in the here and now, and now with its presence being very real and all around us, we need to remember that it's neither permanent nor prevailing, both personally and corporately. It will not prevail against us. And in First Corinthians ten, twelve, and 13, Paul says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And then he gives this word of advice. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who in the temptation, uh, who will will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, uh, but with the temptation also will make the way of what? Escape. Escape that you may be able to bear it. Listen, the devil can't make you do anything. He can't force you into anything. He can tempt you all day long. And every one of those temptations that God allows has a doorway out, and you can take it every single time. He can't make you do anything. And the corporate application of this are things are going to change for all of us permanently. And the scepter of wickedness will forever be destroyed. And in the here and now, we need to be reminded of this on a personal level as well. Listen, if you've fallen, because you know Jesus, you don't have to stay down. You have the right to get up. If you have fallen into temptation, given in to temptation, that doesn't mean it's over for you. You can get back on track. The righteous may fall seven times, but he rises again. And listen, you don't have to say, I can't ever change. God's in the people changing business. Yes, you can. You don't ever, ever have to say, things will never change. God does the impossible all day, every day, like it's nothing. There's nothing too hard for him. Now, in the midst of all we're experiencing today, I was thinking this morning uh, about a point we made years ago in our study of the Gospel of Mark, where we ran across a scene where they were trying to make Jesus king. And of course, the disciples thought, yeah, baby, let's make him king and we'll be uh, the one seated beside him. So Jesus said, you know what? Get into the boat and go to the other side. Well, in the middle, a storm arose. Jesus was in the boat with them. And the men panicked. And they awakened sleeping Jesus and said, Don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care? And Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea by saying, Peace be still. Listen, the Lord told them where they're going. He said, Get in the boat and go to the other side. Did he say, get in the moat and die in the middle? He didn't tell him about the storm, though, did he? No. He hasn't told you about yours either, has he? No. And they come our way. But Jesus has already given us our final destination. In my father's house are many mansions. Yeah. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I wasn't going to prepare a place for you, then I would have told you that I wasn't. But I am, so I did. I told you, so where I am, you may be also. Since we don't know where that is, he's going to have to come get us. And he's going to do that in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And we're going to forever be with the Lord. Now listen, Jesus told them where they were going. He told them how to get there, get in the boat. But he didn't tell them about the storm. But he was in the boat with them. And listen closely this morning. It seemed to them like he didn't care about their situation. Even though they could look at him, he's laying right there. They'd seen him heal the sick, raise the dead, do all kinds of things. And they were about to see him cast out a man who could break chains put around him at the Gadarenes. They'd seen all kinds of things that Jesus could do. He's laying there sleeping, thinking, you know what, we're all going to die. Why? Because he doesn't care. (laughs) Well, nothing seemed to be changing. And Jesus, because he was asleep, was silent. Now, we drew a point from this, because sometimes we're out in the middle of the sea in the midst of a storm. Feels like that, right? And what we needed to remember was the profundity of all profundities uh, and somebody asked me after their first service, what in the world is the profundity? <laughs> it's, it's a profundity? It's a powerful point made simple. And this was the most powerful I think we ever had. I've had people say this to me over the years many, a time, many times. And listen, when we are in the middle of a mess or a middle of a storm, remember, the middle is not the end. Yeah. It's just the middle. Yeah. And the end is still out there, right? right? And, you know, at some point, Jesus is going to say to everything, Peace be still. All this evil, you stop. For the scepter of the wicked has no permanent home in the land allotted to the righteous. And listen, this is our point, not to treat the temporal as though it's eternal. There are better days ahead, even if those days don't happen until after the rapture, and they don't happen in this life. It's still going to get better for us, right? I believe we can also consider the fact that when the days get so evil, And the righteous are so oppressed that they, I thought thought Spurgeon drew this just amazing picture of this. The Prince of Preachers likened uh, the warning about uh, the temporality of the wickedness, the scepter of the wicked, wicked, not resting or becoming permanent on the land allotted to the righteous. And the warning, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. What Spurgeon explained this as is somebody put on the rack and being tortured to get a confession out of them. And he's saying, you know what God is saying here is that unless things get too tough for my people that they give in to the devil, I'm going to remove the wicked. Well, you know, the interesting thing about this is that that's going to happen in reverse order for you and I. Before things get so intense that we break, he's going to come get us and take us out of here. And then the wrath of God is going to be poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. We don't have an appointment with that wrath. We're going to be taken out of there soon. And if you're not picking it up on it yet, let me just say, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> now, listen to these verses in Philippians four, eleven to 13. Paul said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Amen. Content. He said, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned to be both full and to be hungry, to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, here's why this is important. The Greek word translated as content doesn't mean what we think. It doesn't mean, well, you know, I can be satisfied whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. And it doesn't imply kind of a, oh, well attitude, or outlook on life. You know what the word content means? Are you guys still here? I'm afraid to look up. The word content means, listen to this, strong enough to need no aid. Strong enough to need no aid. Listen, Paul was not saying, I don't need God's help. He's saying God's help is all I need. Whether I abound or have nothing, whether I'm hungry or full, it's God's help that I need, and I need no other help than that. Even, listen, even when God's help comes through people, it's still God's help because they're God's people. And in Ephesians 6, 14 to 16, Paul again gives the directive, stand therefore, having girded your waist with, waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench what? All the fiery darts of the enemy. Listen, Ephesians 2 also, I should say, highlights the limitations of evil and wickedness. There is nothing that can come our way that the shield of faith is not able to quench. Faith being a synonym for trust. Trust being a cause and reason that we can rest in peace. Those who trust in the Lord will be like Zion. Zion in antiquity was believed to be an impregnable fortress because of the mountains that were surrounding it. And listen, saints, this morning, the darkness around us is not greater than the light within us. It cannot prevail over us because we are surrounded by God like Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains, and he will not be moved. Think about this. Have you ever gone into a dark room and flipped the light on and the darkness prevailed over the light? Can't happen unless there's something wrong with the bulb, obviously, or the lamp, which would imply a failure to stand. We ought to stand. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. There will always be evil in this world, but it will not prosper or prevail over God's people, meaning Push them to the point where it draws them to set their hand to evil things. And that's a primary reason for us to rest in peace. Don't treat the temporary like it's eternal. It's a key to accessing the rest that is promised to us in Christ. And let me just remind you of this. I just, in my review this morning, uh, when the rest of you were up at four, I just had to throw this in because it's, it's like a monster verse. Isaiah 54, 17, one of my favorites. No, weapons. Say, no weapon. Say no weapon. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that speaks against you in judgment for this is the, or you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says who? The Lord. Says the Lord. Listen, this promise is to all who have an imputed righteousness. And imputed simply means to be placed into your account from another. And we are not righteous on our own. Isaiah says our righteousness is like filthy rags. And our hearts are deceitful above all things. But, listen, God does heart surgery all the time. Amen? And he gives us new hearts, as we'll talk about here in the second hour of our message. But, listen, that doesn't mean weapons won't be formed against us. It means they won't prosper against us. And we can rest in that fact and what Paul said and Isaiah wrote about the righteous are things that we can embrace as our own. Listen, we need to be careful about incorporating things written to Israel uh, to the church. Israel is Israel and the church is the church. The church has not replaced Israel. Right? You know how we know that? Uh, Israel is back in the land. All the things God said would happen to Israel are happening to Israel. All the things God said would happen in the church are happening in the church. The church has not replaced Israel. They're two separate entities, both people, the chosen of God, the Jews by birth, the church by faith. However, when you come to a matter of the character, nature, and attributes of God, he doesn't change, so are applicable throughout time. Whether you're in a Jewish history or church history, the fact is these things are matters of his character. Does he change? This says that he's like the mountains that uh, surround his people. Are we his people? So he's with us the same way he was with Israel. He surrounds us and therefore, since he cannot be moved, neither can we. Now, that means that like Paul said, we don't need any other aid than him because after all, he is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, let's wrap it up with four and five. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon who? Israel. Israel. Now, Israel is an interesting word. It can't mean governed by God. Is the church governed by God? Who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church, right? Is Jesus God? So is the church governed by God? Absolutely. Now, as we get closer and closer to the end of the age and as Jerusalem is figuratively coming into view at this time where the path is steep, at this time where the dangers are heightened, and as we close ranks as the army of the Lord, let us remember that uprightness in heart is ours as a gift from God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are to establish that our righteousness is as filthy rags, we already established that our hearts are deceitful and we know from isaiah that all of us have gone astray we do what sheep do they just go astray and yet psalm 36 10 through 12 we're told oh continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart let not the foot of pride come against me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away there the workers of iniquity have fallen they have been cast down and are not able to rise. Let me remind you of the Proverbs. The righteous fall seven times eight, rise again. The workers of iniquity fall and they can't get up. Psalm 64, nine and 10, that speaks of the end of wickedness like we've been talking about today. Psalm 64, nine and 10, all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God for they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him and all the upright in hearts shall glory. Have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Yes. Do all have deceitful hearts? Yes. Have all turned aside and gone their own way? Yes. And yet God is, to, is able to create new, upright, and clean hearts in us. And get this, he's even able to renew a steadfast spirit when we waver or falter. And we live in a time where many have turned aside to their crooked ways and the Lord will lead them away from the upright in heart with the other workers of iniquities. And this psalm ends with a declaration of peace on Israel. And as I said, Israel can mean governed by God, but Israel primarily means prince of God. Now the word is interesting in that it's a a compound word even in the Greek and it's comprised of two, or even in Hebrew rather, it's comprised of two Hebrew words, the first being Isra. Meaning prince, and L meaning God. Now I stumbled across this in my kind of digging into the the actual uh, Hebrew and the meanings behind all it. Well, the root of the word Ishra, which means prince, is Sarah, or Sarah, prince, uh, princess. So listen, this final declaration, peace be upon Israel. We would not infringe upon the text at all as saying this declaration as being, peace be upon the prince and princesses of God. Well, who would that be? Well, John 1.12 says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. What title do you call sons and daughters of the king? They are male or princes, Females are princesses. The very meaning of the word Israel, Prince of God, the root Sarah being princesses of God. And listen, we need to remember our status in Him. We are His children. Yeah. Yeah. We have the right to become, <coughs> excuse me, sons and daughters of God. Yeah. And those who are sons and daughters of God, He does good for and to yeah. them, exactly. and through whom we have peace. So listen, let's lap, uh, wrap up our word for the year with this final. Reason and fitting phrase as uh, we titled our time and uh, this last observation. And I believe the most important thing of all the things we've talked about regarding rest is this. Are you ready? Yeah. Rest in peace is about life, not death. Rest in peace is about life, not death. This acronym was popularized by 18th century Christians and became a frequent inscription on tombstones, but the association with death is in error. We don't have to wait until we die to rest in peace. We have the peace of passes understanding right now. It guards our hearts and minds right now. And Jesus didn't say, come to, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest when you die. Listen. We are the children of the ancient of days. And the ancient of days is the father of the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And he does good to us. And we can rest in that. We can stay put that God is going to protect us and do good to us and for us. The scepter of wickedness that seems to be all around us is only temporary. As are all of our pains and problems in life. And listen, uh, uh, let me just throw this out there, just by way of announcement so I don't have to uh, answer your questions over the coming months. Uh, I'm ready to be uh, in a new and glorified body. Uh, Some asked why I had such a hard time getting off the stage last week in the second and third service, and that's my left hip is shot. If you've been with us for a while, I had my right hip done. Uh, In 2012, I had a, a cortisone shot a couple of months ago. It wore off, and that stinks. And you can only get them every so often. I have hip replacement surgery scheduled in April. So that's why I'm limping and gimping around. And you're going to have to put up with my moaning and groaning until then. And you'll do that because you love me. Right? Listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the Lord to come get us. I don't want to have another surgery. It's not fun. I want him to do a total makeover from head to toe. And you know what? I don't want any anesthesia. I just want a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and to be looking at Jesus with a big old fat fro on top of my head. In a in a twinkling, you know, I better quit saying that because it just might happen. You know, how about some thick wavy blonde hair or something? You know, I don't know. But I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to live in a pain-free existence. And Joshua said in 21:44, the Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. Now for us, our fathers would be the apostles. And what did he say to the apostles at the Last Supper? I'm going, and I'm preparing, and I'm coming, and then you're going. Come get us, Lord Jesus, amen? Now listen, rest for our souls is about this life, not the afterlife. We don't sleep when we die. We're more alive than we ever were during this life after we die because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And in the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures forevermore, says Psalm 1611. Our old bodies may be in the grave but they will be resurrected as well when that last trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise and the alive and remain, which is us, I'm hoping, (laughs) will meet them and the Lord in the air. And until we go in the group plan, we need to remember that every negative thing in life is temporal. And we cannot be treating them like they're eternal. We can rest in that because there is no spiritual or worldly power who is like our God. And we need to remember rest in peace is not an epitaph for a tombstone. It's a declaration and a blessing exclusive to God's people who are upright in heart and living for him. And that's why Paul would say to those in Athens in Acts 17, for in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets said, for we also are his offspring. We are children of the king. And our world might be in a mess right now, but the middle is not the end. We're going home. Soon we're going to see Jesus. Somebody say, Amen. So let's rest in peace until he comes to get us. Amen. Father, we again are so grateful for your matchless word. Thank you for the timing of uh, our arrival at this particular scripture. And thank you that you love us enough uh, to direct us, uh, even though we don't even know you are. And thank you for loving us and and saying peace be still when our flesh and mind and emotions are wondering do you see that we're perishing? Do you care that these things are going on in our world? And we thank you that we know the answer is absolutely and yes. And all the promises of God and your son our Savior are yes and amen. And Lord therefore you promised to come get us. We believe you are. You told us that when we come to you, we can have rest, and we believe we can. So help us, Lord, when our flesh and nature fights these things uh, to according to the Spirit uh, and the power of the Spirit within us arrive at the place that Paul did where he could say, no matter what state I'm in, the power that I have in Christ calls me to lead, uh, need no other aid. Help us to live that way in these last days, God, as so many things are vying for our attention and a ceasing, uh, seeking rather to create fear and doubt and all the other things. Lord, may we, as we've been ad- admonished to more, multiple times today, may we stand, having done all the stand, fully armored up and ready to serve you. And the only thing we add to that, Lord, is even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And all these things... We pray together and say, amen. Amen.